We want to welcome you to this week's podcast of Live Transform. This is episode number 143. And you have made the choice to be with us. Yeah. Wow. That's right. Thank hey, we're, you we're, for doing that. I'm, Thank I'm you for hanging out with this, us. This is the second in a series. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're, we're starting a new series with Dr. Richards and we're featuring his newest book yes. in the Heaven on Earth series. And the newest book is called Keys of the Kingdom. Yes, the second book of the trilogy. Yes. And so um, last week in the podcast, we concluded with make a choice. Yes, we did. This is this is the number one step. This is the number one key is make the choice. My aim is that I will hit the target yes. of knowing and experiencing the goodness of I God. I choose now, the he, goodness of God. I'm going to pursue his yep. glory and his goodness. I make that life. choice every single day. Mm-hmm. Every day I need I get to choose life. And yep. if I don't have the right key, um, I, 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 the first one is to make the choice and then we get the key into mm-hmm. the promise. Yeah. yeah. But I want, I want to see his glory. <gasps> I want to see his goodness. Jim keeps going. <gasps> yes. <gasps> <laughs> now it's your turn. <laughs> now you talk. <laughs> no, go ahead. No, was... I'm good. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I'm being thoroughly entertained. I'm sure you are. You're looking at his little. I, I'm sitting here drinking my health drink. <laughs> yep. Inter- fully entertained. Enjoy God. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I. One day, I think we might work at possibly uh, bring video into this conversation. Yeah, yeah. But we did. I just have a feeling we we might have to behave a little better, or actually get dressed. Or dress. <laughs> yeah, I have to comb my hair, all that kind of stuff. Bob will have to comb his hair. All right, there we yes. go. So, Jim, um, let's talk just in brief real quick about the trilogy, these these three books. So you've got number two, brand new, just out. Okay. What is the purpose behind, you know, the three, the, the trilogy here? Well, you know, it kind of goes back to this thing of what has God called ministers to do? Hmm. And, uh, you know, in my book, Leadership That Builds People, Volume 1, one of the things I talk about is that We establish certain things in our heart, certain goals in our heart without knowing it. Yes, I believe that. You know, I've always said this. Everybody, there's a question I ask people when I work with ministers. There's a question I ask them that they don't realize it, but they've already made this decision. And, and And the fact, the problem is a lot of their dissatisfaction in ministry and a lot of their feelings of failure is because they don't know it. They've already made a decision. Mm -hmm. And, and so what's happening is their feelings of success, their, you know, their feelings of, uh, you know, all these feelings they have about their ministry and what's driving the way they make this decision, the ministry is being determined by a subconscious decision. Yes, that Mm. is so good. So I always ask people this, are you um, uh, using people to build your ministry or are you using your ministry to build people? Mm. Now, everybody's already answered that in their heart because they've already been influenced to define success. You know, and, and one of the ways we might even understand this, okay, so what do you consider success? And... Uh, Almost always, if you can get people to be honest, particularly ministers, you know, they have a hard time being honest because, as a matter of fact, it's hard to get Christians. You can't do surveys with Christians. 
They will not tell you the truth on a survey. They will give you the answer they know they're supposed to give you. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so it's really hard to drill down and get to how to help people because they're feeling obligated to Most people pretend. think that they know the answer to those questions because there's such an obvious answer to that question. And because yeah. it's so obvious, they don't take yeah. that, that, that look deep inside of them to really answer that question. What do you consider success? Yeah. That has nothing to do with just people in ministry. That's every one of us, you guys, everyone listening. Yeah, everybody. How, what do you consider success? Because yeah. within that definition or within that, um, realm of what you believe success is, you are subconsciously making goals all yep. the time to get to that place yep. of what you consider success. And sadly, because most ministers consider success to be a numeric growth right. or something yeah. like that, uh, and they've had that imposed on their whole yeah, ministerial absolutely. life. If you're, man, if you're really doing anything for God, you'll have a church of 500, you know, mm-hmm. or 5,000 or whatever, you know, in their in their mind. Mm-hmm. And so the problem becomes then that really their ministry in- inwardly is all, all, they're always pursuing their subconsciously defined concept of success. Yeah. Now, God showed us what success is supposed to be for a ministry. You know, it's interesting. You know, there's two places in the scripture where we have, or where uh, uh, we have a concept of successful ministry, but it's all based on something that God told Moses or that God led Moses to. You know, number one, you know, Jesus said, "All authority has been given me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go into all the earth and make disciples." Mm-hmm teaching them to observe whatever I do. Now, there's a reason. I mean, keep in mind, Jesus sent, spent his whole life teaching about the kingdom of God, about how to live in heaven and earth. The process for how to arrive at heaven and earth is to be a disciple. Mm-hmm. So discipleship is not the ultimate goal Discipleship is the process. Mm. And a disciple is a person who builds their life on the teachings and the modeling and the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, the Apostle Paul over in the book of Ephesians, when he was talking about people in ministry, he says, now, God's given apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, or teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, that word perfecting of the saints comes from a Greek word. It's actually a compound Greek word that means to, to mend as in mending a net. Mm. Now, when Jesus was walking along the seashore and it says it came upon, what, was it Peter and Andrew? Uh, who, who yeah. Were, and it says they were mending their net. That's mm-hmm. that same Greek word. So the concept there is we are supposed to be making people whole. Mm. so that they have effectiveness in ministering to other people mm. and helping other people. So we, we have those two kind of concepts. But again, we got to tie that to everything that Jesus taught. But if we want to go back to the first example of God calling people to ministry or what, what, what ministry is supposed to look like, Moses had a calling. And everything that happens to us as New Testament believers is modeled and the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and making the journey to the promised land. Mm. So here you could say this. The reason that we're supposed to be getting people whole, the reason we're supposed to be getting people as disciples is one thing, is we are supposed to get them to the promised land. Mm. Not, not just salvation, but to the promised mm-hmm. land. 
to that place where they are having heaven on earth, mm-hmm. to that place where they're experiencing who God really is. All you know, all of those, all of those factors. So, so Moses, in order to get the people to the promised land, you know, he had to teach them the prescriptions of God, and had to, as much as he could, reveal to them the goodness of God. Well, and of course, interestingly enough. People do not get transformed through teaching. Right. And, and that's something we, right. we have to accept as leaders. Now, people renew their mind, and so they think different and they talk different, but that's not transformation. That's, that's just information. Exactly. Moses had a transformational experience for one reason. He saw God as he was. Yes. And you know, that's what, you know, and, you know, 2 Corinthians 3 talks about that. Uh, 1 John 2 talks about that. You know, 2 Corinthians 3 talks about, about, you know, looking past the veil and seeing God through a glass darkly and moving from glory to glory. And it all depends on seeing God clearly. Uh, at 1 John, you know, uh, 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 I think it's chapter 2 or chapter 3, says that, uh, he says, you know, for uh, when we see him, mm-hmm. we'll be like him because we'll see him as he is. And so, so... We give people these prescriptions. We give people these promises of God. We give people these things that informationally reveal how good God wants their life to be. We give people these prescriptions so that they can say, okay, I, I can put this into practice. And, and like, like, you know, here's an idea. Right. If, I don't com- if I don't commit adultery, my, wife, my marriage will be better. Yeah. Uh, Here's know, an idea. Say, oh, yeah, the commandments are legalistic. Really? So that's a bad thing. Right. Like, no. Like, don't steal, don't lie. That's I'm going to quit stealing and lying. That's really a legalistic thing. I was stupid. Uh, it really no, it is can ridiculous. Be yes, I get it. Yes. Uh, so so to the, the, when we apply God's wisdom, mm-hmm. we get to see the outcome of a good life. Mm-hmm. So then we start grasping as we're renewing our mind through this, we start grasping and having some experience of, Oh, wait a minute. Everything God tells me makes my life better. Mm -hmm. See, that's why, that's why Jesus actually, we are supposed to take somebody into discipleship first and they become converts. Right. Right. You know, I know in, in our Church, and I almost hate talking about this because I don't like talking about numbers. And I never actually did this. One of my staff members did this, but my staff member, you know, one of my staff members did research and found that in our local church we had over ten thousand first time commitments to Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's pretty significant. Yes, it, it is. is. And what's interesting is I never one time preached a salvation message. Never. Hmm. I always taught messages about applying the truth and how that comes out in life. And when people would see how practical it was and realize, oh, wait a minute, I, I didn't know God cared about yes, this part of my exactly. life. When they start realizing that, they would give their lives it, to Jesus. Absolutely. And they gave their life to Jesus by being introduced to discipleship. Right. Right. Not by not by being it, and there's nothing wrong. And with it's because it, you know, every deep down, every person first. is craving that. They're craving this. This. What is it that will make my life work? And when you start talking about discipleship, about peace and joy and righteousness, everything in in a person's heart, if they're true to their heart, will say, "I want this. I want this. Yeah. Thank you." Of course, they yes. Want it. We were created. Remember, 
man was put in paradise. We were not created to have pain. Right. We were not created to have stress. We were not created to have fear. We were not created to have to... Now, we have the capability of all of those things, and all of those things should be signals that say, whoa, wait a minute, I'm going the wrong direction. Hmm. Yeah. That, that, you know, uh, uh, if we didn't have those capabilities, if we didn't have the capability for fear, stress, right. and even guilt, you know, you know, people, you know, I talk about, you know, guilt is destructive if, if, you, if you live in it. Yes. Guilt is not destructive. If you use it. If you use it <laughs> exactly. as a warning sign. Yes. Use it for what it's good for. Yeah. And so we were not designed to live in, 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 in pain mm-hmm. of, of any kind. Our, our very nervous system is fight or flight. We, at the very first indicator of pain, of unhappiness, man, there's something in us that says, fix it or run. Yeah. You know, you go, on, you go on a date with a girl, you're a single guy, you go on a date with a girl or you're a single girl and you're going to date with a guy and they do something that inspires, uh-oh, this don't feel right or this, you know, this kind of frightens me. Mm-hmm. You know why God gave you that? So you would not be dumb enough to marry people who are going to be mean to you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you go on a date with somebody and you get that feeling, you're like, excuse me, I'm going to the restroom. And I'll never be, and you, will never, you, run. you will never see me again. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. You you run. You don't even, you don't even tell them. Right. Now, uh, you know that sounds a little facetious, but you see, he, here is the, you know the core of all of our issues in life is that we don't believe how good God yes. is. Yes, that's it. Yeah, that I mean, that's it. Yeah, that is the core of every issue. So, <clears throat> one of the things I like to do is I, I like to say, okay, we got to make these decisions. But you got to make these decisions from confidence. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, Jesus taught us not, and see, we think Jesus taught us to say, to ask God to establish his kingdom in his life. No, he didn't. He didn't tell us to do that. He, he taught us to establish his kingdom in our lives by using the keys of the kingdom, mm-hmm. which we're, you know, we're getting there, but we just got to have the right foundation to be able to do this Correct. or else it just, you know, we won't have the confidence, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, he, the way you have established the kingdom is when you've established the will of God. Mm-hmm. And so people are always like, "I'm so confused. I don't know what the will of God is for me." And I'm like, "Well, you know, okay, then let's look at the only two times in the Bible that we have a picture of what the will of God looks like. In other words, when you know, man didn't pray it up. This is not. This has nothing to do with how good somebody was or how bad somebody was, or you know, uh, whether somebody prayed enough. What did the one, the two times that we see God in control? Because God's not in control now. We are, and and nobody believes that. I mean, honestly, you know, most Christians yeah. are like, uh, yes, uh, okay, sure, uh huh. All right. The first time we see God's will was the, the Garden, Garden of, Eden. of Eden. Yes. Was there sickness? No. Was there pain? No. Was there suffering? No. None of that happened until man made a choice. Hmm. And that choice was to live my life where I decide what's right and wrong, good and bad, destructive, not destructive. And so 
so from man leaving the Garden wow. of Eden until yeah. until now, all the destruction that's happened in the world has happened because of choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want you want to take a little interesting caveat mm. here? Y- y- yes, yes, of I'm course in. we are. Take the caveat. Take the path. Right. Let's go. Now, one of the things I've taught for years, and I've had people look at me squinty-eyed over this, you know, first of all, God did not curse planet Earth when when Adam and Eve sinned. Mm-hmm. Now, we're, we're taught that. That's not what happened. <clears throat> Man was given dominion over planet Earth, and he was to be a delegated authority here. And God said, I'll show you how to have how to have paradise all the time. If you trust me, you will make your decisions and you will rule over planet Earth in a way that is harmonious with what I'm gonna teach you. If you don't trust me, then you do what you'll do what you want to do, and you'll get the outcome of your choices. The outcome of your wisdom. <laughs> so <clears throat> now God had to do that because he could not have a loving relationship, which is what he wanted. He wanted a family Mm -hmm. that was connected by love. And you can't have love unless there's freedom of choice. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, and men, I'm telling you, we, the, the majority of the church believes the devil's doctrine. And the devil's doctrine is that God is in control of everything that happens in planet right. Earth. That is as demonic, that is as deceitful, and more people will go to hell because of that doctrine than any other belief mm-hmm. embraced by the human mm-hmm. race. Mm-hmm. Because the very core of Luciferian doctrine is God's in control of everything, and there's wars, there's disease, and there's people dying. So since God's in control of everything, evidently that's what he wants, so he's not really a good God. You can't trust him. That's it. Yep. And he, and and so he, wants, and we, he wants my mom to die early, and he wants my yep. kid to do this, like, because he's in control. And, you know, he's got, but he's got some mystical reason. Yeah, we have to trust him. There must be a reason. Yep. Yep. So... That makes people hate God. Yeah. Makes it impossible to trust God. It makes it impossible to believe that God is good because, you, you know, you just can't twist that around. Enough. People say, well, God's good and he has a good purpose. You don't believe that for a minute. You're, you're trying to convince yourself that somehow God's good just because you don't really want to say, I hate God for what he did, right. you know, what I think, right. what I'm blaming him right. for. You know, when I, you know, when I first got saved, I was, uh, 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 let me see, I got saved in, in August and in February I had a child to die. And the first thing that people started saying to me was, you know, you don't know why God did this. You know, you, you know, God's all, you know, you know, you know, God's will is hard to understand. God's trying. And I remember thinking, and fortunately I'd read the Bible before I ever went to church. That, that was my salvation. I'm telling you. And people would say stuff to me and I would just think, well, bless your heart. You evidently never read the Bible. Oh. My gosh. And, 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 you know, and I remember thinking, if I believe this crap you're telling me, I'd walk out that door, you'd never see me again, and I'd never talk to God again. If God would kill my kid, uh, then I, I'm not doing it. Okay, well, Jim, well, why have I known you so long and didn't know that you had a kid die? I don't know. I, I, you know, there's so many volumes to my oh life. My nobody gosh. knows. <laughs> nobody Sorry. knows. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, I thought, just when I thought I knew pretty much the big stuff. 
So, you know, but, but I'm telling you, I, I, you can't tell me that you're convinced God's a good God and killed your kid or killed your spouse no. or killed somebody in your yeah. family. You can't, you cannot tell, you are not that spiritual. You know, nobody is. So but, we, but the you know, argument so is because God holds the keys to life and death. Yeah, now God's got the keys. No, well, no, you got the keys. So now, so uh, show you <laughs> I'm something just really interesting. That's here. what people say. In order for there to be life on planet Earth, there has to be a pulsating electromagnetic field. Yeah. And the Gauss or the strength of that pulsating electromagnetic field yeah. determines how healthy every human being will be. It determines how healthy every blade of grass, every tree, mm-hmm. everything will be. Mm-hmm. Now, Greg Braden, who is, a, who, you know, he's more of a new age leaning kind of guy, mm-hmm. but he does a lot of great research. You know, here's the thing. New agers are no more deadly than legalists. You know, legalists take everything mean and bad and blame it on God. New agers take everything that works, most of it biblical, and just leave God out. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, when you're, <clears throat> we can look at people's research and see if it, how, sci- how scientifically accurate it is and how biblically accurate it is. It makes no difference what their motive is. Right. But Greg Braden, a friend of mine, sent me a, uh, a video the other day. And actually, I'd studied this stuff before, but I thought it was kind of interesting. This, this one part of it, I didn't know. On, on 9-11, at 10 o'clock in the morning or thereabouts, see, there, there are these satellites that go around the Earth that I think every 30 minutes, they, they, they take measurements. Mm. And the part of what they measure is the electromagnetic flux of the Earth. Mm. At, at 10 o'clock in the morning, at 9-11, on 9-11, the magnetic f- gauss power, the flux, magnetic flux of the earth, dropped lower than it has ever dropped in human history hmm. that we know of. Wow. Well, what happened? Well, the Twin Towers were hit, and within 15 minutes, I think they were hit at 9.45. I may be missing my time, but they were hit about 9.45, and within 15 minutes, this had circled the globe on the news media. Wow. The beliefs, the heart, the attitude of every human being being. was so negatively impacted that it altered how the earth functions. Wow. Now, we know that this is true because we are in an interactive relationship with planet Earth. 1927, Max Planck, when he got his, when he got his Nobel Prize on, um, uh, oh, I forgot, uh, on, on quantum science. Yeah. You know, in his speech, one of the things he said is, we think we are observing the universe. We are in interplay with the universe. Right. And the universe, the world around us changes to become you know, what we believe, what we expect, what we're feeling. It is a reflection of what we're feeling. Well, see, that goes back to what God said. <laughs> I'm, I'm crowning you with my glory and honor. Yeah. Words, I'm telling you who you are. And I'm telling you out of that, out of that glory and honor, out of being connected to me and knowing who you are and how special you are, you have authority to rule on planet Earth. You have dominion. What happens mm. on planet Earth 
for you know from now on will be according to you hmm. what you believe what you feel what you think what you choose now scientific research has been done and I forgot the name of this of this study I've I've, I've looked at this for years where they would take groups of people into cities and they, and they kind of tried to standardize this and they would pick cities of a certain size and they would go and they'd, and they'd do it at the same time of the year, you know. So, so like ever October the 5th, we'll go into a city of this size and we will have a group of people and we don't care if they're Christians, we don't care if they're Buddhists, we don't care what they mm-hmm. are, but we're going to get a number of people together and we're going to just... We're going to just think and ponder and meditate on peace. Oh, okay. And, and, and live. I think they call it the Peace Project. Okay. Well, the studies show that every time they do that, that violence goes down. Wow. Uh, people getting admitted to the hospital goes down. Wow. Number, number of deaths go down. In other words, just being there and being in peace changes those kinds of outcomes. I w- I, I'm really catching you because what I was thinking, when you said that whole 9-11 thing, I was thinking, well, there's been worse things. Like you said, it's the it's the most that's been affected in all of human history. You know, the, the magnetic flux of the earth dropped lower, you know, than any time. And yep. That's been measured. That's been measured, exactly. Been measured. Yep. And so I thought, well, there's been, maybe there's been worse things that happened, but yep. it was the fact that everyone at the same time, at the same because time, because of our technology, they all knew it. Everybody yep. had fear, confusion, um, you know, shock, all of these yep. negative things. And so it wasn't just like it was the very, very worst thing that's ever happened. It's more like everyone yep. knew in the same 15 minutes what had happened. Yep. So now what you're saying on the other side of that spectrum is if everyone were to think peace and joy, the earth would begin yep. to, to um, change its di- the chemist, the flux, the field of, of, of peace, of paradise. Yep. So now you take this and you go back to Genesis because here's what God said. God did not say, I will curse the earth because of you. He said, because of you, the earth is cursed. Mm. Now, something. Adam and Eve were the only two human beings on all of planet Earth, so they comprise the entire human race. So, what their thoughts, their feelings, their understanding affected the world so hugely. It affected the world. So, so this would be the equivalent to how many? I don't even know what the world population. Yeah, is I, I, I'm got. tracking with you because if because. They are a hundred percent. Like they, yep. those two people represent a hundred percent influence. If every person in the world today, at this moment, suddenly reached a state of despair, yeah, it would probably destroy right the entire world. Right. Interesting. So, but so Adam and Eve, the only two people alive, reached such a state of fear and despair. But it was hundred percent of anger. the people. It was a hundred percent of the people. A hundred percent of the people that the earth completely and totally changed. Wow. So, and I could go into a whole lot of other biblical, you know, explanations, but I think everybody's going to get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) Now, here's something you want to realize. Man, this gets over into, oh, this gets over into, 
Uh, it, it gets over uh, into digging, digging a whole new well here. <laughs> and we're not going to go down this path. But you see, I don't know that it is important that I believe I'm going to get healed as it is important that I'm at peace. Yes. Because studies have been done in the human brain that many people who experience, I'm talking about non-believers, believers, non-believers, doesn't matter. And there have been studies that have done this where they would take people, you know, put all these electrodes on their brains, all this kind of stuff, and get them to a place of peace, and they would just get their body would instantly heal. Hmm. Tumors would go away. Hmm. And these are real. These are real scientific studies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> well, why would I, as a believer, why would I be at peace? Because I know God's good. Mm-hmm. Because I know His promise is mine. Because I know I don't have to fear this situation. Right. Right. You know. You know that I, that I'm facing right now. I know the outcome is going to be right. You know, whatever. So, so. If I live in peace, then even though all of us in the world together are not in peace, the world's not going to change back. Right, right. But if I'm in peace, my world changes. My world changes. Maybe the whole planet Earth doesn't change, but everywhere where I walk changes. Now, you jump forward now to Revelation 21. Yeah. So when New Jerusalem comes to planet Earth. Now, now keep in mind, heaven is not going to be us floating around on a cloud out there somewhere playing a ukulele. Right. <laughs> you know, heaven is going to be right here. Yeah. This is the eternal dwelling place for the human race. Yes. And so when New Jerusalem, which is really what heaven is, comes to planet Earth, it says, man, you go in there and you read it, it says, there'll be no more fear. Mm-hmm. All tears will be dried from your mm-hmm. eyes. There'll be no more pain. You know, there'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more sadness. And it's like, so, okay, the two times that you have the will of God done on planet Earth, no sickness, no pain, no sorrow, no heartache, no shame. So is the first pair, the two times that God was completely in control was when he created paradise the place for man to live. And then the second time will be when the new Jerusalem is here. And it again, it'll be completely no pain, no yep. suffering, no, no heartache. Now, you know, by the way, this is kind of a caveat again. You are in See, a, a caveat people, mood, aren't you? I like <clears throat> well, it. Well, the thing is, there's so many subtleties yes. to all this. So, you know, a lot of these fake grace people are like, well, how could God be love if there's a hell? He's going to send people to hell. No. Number yeah. one. God doesn't send people anywhere. Yeah. People who who don't want what God is offering are making a choice. But stop and think about this. We can't have worldwide heaven on earth if there are still dissenters here. Mm. They can't be here and us have heaven. Does that make sense? Yes. And so... You know, they've made their choice. They don't want this. They don't want God's morality. They don't want God what God's offering. They don't want to live this life. They don't, you know, they want to live their own life. And and so they that's their choice. Mm-hmm. And they take that choice. And that choice determines how and where they will spend eternity. And I don't know that hell is the metaphoric description that we have mm-hmm. of it. 
See, I've wondered about that a lot. I, like more, in, I don't think about yeah. it a lot. But while you're talking about hell, I was going, hmm. Like, is it what you know, they've the, always said it was? Like, I mean, there are scriptures. No. There's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I mean, I'm thinking of stuff like and that. I, the, and, you know, I believe that's true. Yeah. But as far as like being a burning pit of fire, oh, yeah. I don't really believe that's actual. I, I believe that's metaphoric description because hell was was the concept of hell that we have of a burning fire. Matter of fact, most of what we believe about hell came out of Dante's Inferno. Yes, it didn't, did, did yes, not come exactly. Out of the Bible. But when Jesus talked about hell, he the, the 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 word and the letters that were involved, they understood that. See, the word for fire is the word passion. Hmm. A, a fire represents a burning passion. Now, when when we leave here, we no longer have a body, mm-hmm. a physical body. Right. So, if you chose to spend eternity seeking to gratify and fulfill your passions, but you don't have a body to fulfill them in, Mm. then you live in a constant burning fire of lust and greed and all of that that never gets There's no way to experience it because we've given our senses and our body in order Mm -hmm. to experience, but but if we don't have that, then we just have this... This longing that is so intense mm-hmm. that will never be satisfied. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so I, I think the descriptions that people use, that even Jesus used, were trying to explain the degree of torment, yeah. not the fact that you are in a literal fire per se. No. Uh, you know that's my that's my thoughts on it. But anyhow, so so now in between Eden and heaven then you have all of these people on planet Earth, some who hate God, some who love God, some who are at peace, some who are... So there's no way to restore harmony to the world as a whole. Right. So this means that the only way a person can experience the perfect will of God, which is peace, joy, righteousness, you know, fulfillment, a connection to God, feeling loved, you know, good self-worth, all of these kinds of... The only way to experience that is individually. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Jesus came... Actually, even in the Old Testament, that's, you know, when he talked about choose life, choose life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he says, then you'll live, and you, your sins will live. Choose this day. Choose blessing. Don't choose cursing. Mm-hmm. Choose this. So to, to even to a great degree, before Jesus came, man could make choices that would determine the quality of his life. But Jesus comes on the scene and says, all right, now we're going to fix this. Now we finally are at a place to fix this. And here's the way we're going to fix this. You can be born again. The Spirit of God can come inside you. Mm -hmm. And now your heart, which is part spirit and part soul, now in your heart, you can choose to embrace the life of God that's in you. So even though the world around you may be spinning out of control, you personally can experience heaven on earth. And so you can look at Eden and say, that's how I choose to live, connected to God, full of peace, you know, no fear, not giving in to crazy sin, not, you know, all this kind of stuff. I'm I'm just going to yield myself to God. I'm going to follow him. And so that's the reason Jesus came and preached the kingdom. 
This is how you have heaven on earth, kingdom of God yes. in yes. your in heart. your own mm-hmm. heart. Mm-hmm. Now, like we said last week, though, that has to be your choice. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're saved or not saved. You know, uh, God will not force anything on you. You have to you have to look at what he's offering and say, I choose I, because I trust it, I choose it. Now there's a lot of people that want it but don't choose it. Right. But you he know, said the word wanting, trust because I trust yeah. it, I choose it. Yeah. And if I trust it, and see, then we got the Holy Spirit inside of us. It's always ministering to us, okay, then since you chose this and since you say you trust God, then here we go. Then handle this situation this way. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been in one of those situations where, man, you're in conflict with somebody and you're just absolutely sure that you've figured out how you're going to handle this, and but you, you know, but you still ain't got peace? Yes, yes. And maybe even you go and try to handle it that way, and it just gets worse. Yeah, exactly. And then one day, for whatever reason, you let your guard down, you know, for a second, you stop trying to convince yourself that you're right, and all of a sudden, God says, "Do this," mm-hmm. and and you know, you're thinking. Well, all along, I thought if I did that, I'd be losing. I'd be giving in. I'd be compromising. I'd be letting them win or whatever. You know what I mean? But then the minute you go, okay. It's not even that the fact that you've done it yet. The minute you say, okay. And then it's like, bam. All of a sudden, you're at peace. Yeah. All of a sudden, all this anger is gone. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, all this stress and tension is gone. Well, that's what the Holy Spirit... When the Bible says the Holy Spirit will convict us or convince us of righteousness. That's what he's doing. He's convincing us. This is righteousness. This is how to stay in harmony with God. This is how, so you're having the kingdom of God. And the amazing thing is you can go to that person and you can do that. Now, and and it'll usually come out great. Yeah. But even, even if it doesn't come out great, you still get to have peace. You still get to have peace. You're just like heaven on earth. Right. So this is why, and I taught this in my first book on the, in the trilogy, heaven on earth. You know, for me, it was like, okay, I want to reverse engineer. Mm-hmm. Here is a person that's experiencing the kingdom of God. I want to reverse engineer. I want to go <laughs> back through every step, every thought, every decision that causes a person to end up here. Yes. End up heaven on earth. Yes. End up with peace in their yes. heart. And, and when I back engineered yes. that, the first thing that the first attitude that had to be present was they had to have a repentant, teachable heart. I mean, that's the first message. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, I've got to be, you know, repentance is about changing your mind. I've got to have an attitude that says, I will always change my mind to turn back toward God's wisdom, to turn back toward God's prescription, to turn back toward how the Holy Spirit's leading me, to turn back toward walking in love. And if I don't have that attitude, then I don't even get to take the second step. This is the first key. This is the first key. You have to have that repentive heart. Absolutely. Have to be teachable, have to be humble, have to be willing, have to trust, have to know that you're not going to trust in your own mere human strength. You're just actually choosing to... To no. know that his way is actually higher than, than your way. No. Your, his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And see, that leads you to salvation. Yes. And salvation is about lordship. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not about just deliver me. It's about lordship. Uh, you know, it's about I'm, 
I'm surrendering to do. It doesn't say he who believes in his heart, God raised Jesus from the dead and confesses him as Savior will be saved. That's not what it no. says. It says he who confesses him as Lord will be saved. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't even know what to make of all of that. I'm not trying to make a big theological uh, thing about who's saved and who's not saved. All I know is this. If I want to live in salvation. Mm-hmm. Yes. If I want to experience this on a right. daily basis. Yeah. basis. Then it's, got to, it's about lordship. Yeah. Lordship is about, okay, then then I'm going to follow your teachings because you took everything that God said and you put it in a context for me to understand it. Yes. You put it in the context of love. You put it in the context of life. Mm-hmm. And so, but, but besides that, you also promised that the Holy Spirit will bring this stuff you taught me to my mind so that he leads me in how to apply what you taught. You also taught that the Holy Spirit will be my, he'll give me grace, he's the spirit of grace. He'll give me strength and ability and capacity. So in other words, I get all the components, I get all the pieces for the potential for heaven on earth. All of that comes into me when I surrender to Jesus as Lord. Mm -hmm. Now, the Bible teaches that the new birth does not bring us into the kingdom, it gives us the capacity to perceive that there is a kingdom. <laughs> wow. It gives us the capacity to see. Oh, because you know, it says you can't see the yeah. kingdom of God unless you're born again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Can't see it. You can't perceive no, it. No, all of a sudden you can have eyes to see. Oh, there it mm-hmm. is. Nope. There is something there. Now, look again, another caveat. Remember, it said you got to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. Mm hmm. If I don't believe God raised Jesus from the dead, conquering death and hell and all this stuff and providing this inheritance, then I still can't see, perceive that there's a kingdom. Interesting. Because it, wh- where is this kingdom? The kingdom is in the resurrected Lord, the, li- the resurrected life that he gives me. Wow. So I perceive mm-hmm. that there's a kingdom. Mm-hmm. And once I perceive that there's a kingdom, then the question is, do I trust him and enter in? Hmm. Now, Jesus said, J-E-S-U-S said, yes. <laughs> it said, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, I've done stuff for you. Yeah. And he's going to say, I don't even know who you oh are. Oh, my gosh. And then he gives us a parable to help us understand this. He says, you know, if you hear my teachings and you don't put them in practice. You're going to be like that person who builds their house on sand. And when trouble comes, you don't have a foundation. That sand's going to wash out from under this house that you've built or this life that you mm-hmm. built, and it's going to collapse. But he says, he who hears my words and puts them into practice. Well, who is that? That's the person that knows him as Lord that says, I trust you. Yes. You know, I I got my own opinions, and I'm, yeah, sometimes I struggle with my own opinions. Sometimes I run that way for a little while. But I'm telling you, as much as I can, I'm always coming back to, to how you said to put God's word into practice. And I'm going to walk in love and da da da. da. And I'm not earning anything. This is just how you live in the kingdom. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so, and so you make that decision. Mm-hmm. I'm going to build my house on the rock. Well, what is it? The rock isn't Jesus. He didn't say, I mean, he is the rock, yeah. but the bigger picture is, in context, he's saying, the rock is not just me. 
It's me and what I teach. Mm. So you can call you can call on the name of Jesus all day long. Like I got you know in the previous verse said, Lord, Lord, yeah, I've done Jesus, all this Jesus. stuff. And he's like, yes. I don't know you. Mm-hmm. We're not intimate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you 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 referenced uh last week, you know, listening, but listening with the intent to apply to your life. Yeah. You know, that I'm yep. going to obey, that I'm going to follow. Yeah. Uh, yep. I was, you know, as 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 you've been sharing, I just kind of took a look over First Peter chapter 1 again real quick. Because we've been born again, not of seed that perishes, but imperishable seed. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it speaks there in First Peter. It, again, everything, you know, that, that Jim's been sharing today, but that is... We've been called into this kingdom, but then it's his word that never will pass away. Yeah. True, Bobby. And that's the rock that that you're speaking about. Yes, it is Jesus, but as well, I must be willing to step into an agreement. You see, that's me stepping into the kingdom. I'm going to begin to agree with God's view and opinion. No. Not just of me, no. but then of how I treat you. Yeah. You know, that I will walk in love. Yes. Yep. See, the moment you separate God from his word, then you create an imaginary idea of who God is. Mm-hmm. You create an idol in your own heart. Yeah. 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 All right. So here we are. Now Jesus is Lord. Yes. I believe yes. that means yes. that means I believe. The, the resurrection realities. I believe I, I believe what he accomplished at the cross. Now, when you get ready to use the keys of the kingdom, it all comes down to believing what God has already established through the Lord Jesus. Because the keys of the kingdom are always related to binding and loosing. Okay. When, when, when Jesus talks about the keys, he says, okay, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of, of heaven, or we give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth, actually in the Greek says, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Hmm. Whatever you loose on earth shall have been loose. And so in, in, in real English, that's sort of like saying, in order to bind something or make it incapable of happening in your life, Mm -hmm. then it must have already been declared illegal in heaven Mm -hmm. through the death, burial, and resurrection. Now, for whatever you want to come into your life, it must have already been declared legal in heaven. Mm -hmm. You know, back in the early days of the faith movement and charismatic movement, it used to bother me. You know, for example... I'm fine, man. You guys know I'm fine with the prosperity message. I'm not fine with the name it, claim it, grab it, and stab it, and the greed <laughs> and all that mess that was that, yeah. that people taught as prosperity. Right. That's not prosperity. Right. I mean, I believe God wants us to prosper. You know, I believe God wants us to have enough to give to other people, to help other people, to be an influence into the world. Uh, uh, I, as a matter of fact, and the Bible tells us that that, that God will will. will Bring us into wealth and success with without trouble coming with mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we do that from you know from his yes, perspective, yes. you know, and, and follow his. So 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 I'm 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 good with that. But you know, 
It, it bothered me when people defined prosperity as, I'm believing God for a new Cadillac. Mm-hmm. I'm believing God for a, for a Mercedes. Mm-hmm. I'm believing God for a big old house. You know, I was, I, that always bothered me. I'm not saying I'm totally right or totally wrong about that, but yeah. it's sort of like, I don't have a scripture that tells me I can believe God for a Mercedes. Yes. I have a scripture that tells me that he is Jehovah Jireh and he always meets all of my yes. needs. He sees yes. them in advance. And if I, you know, if I need a, I, I remember the, you know, the, I bought a, a 15 passenger van, but you got to realize I had five kids. Remember, that's seven people. Yeah. That meant that if any of our kids wanted to take a friend with them anywhere, we couldn't, we had to have two cars. Yeah. And so I, you know, I needed something big enough. Mm. I got a 15-passenger van, mm-hmm. you know. I needed a house big enough for seven people to live mm-hmm. in and to work out of. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting a, you know, like a 5,500-square-foot house. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I didn't set out to get a 5,500-square-foot house. Right, right. You know, so, so I'm, you know, I'm, I don't want to be over persnickety on this on this kind of stuff. But, but uh, uh, God... You know, God always wants us to have enough to always, 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 always meet the needs. So, so it. I knew that it, the door was. It, I knew it was determined to be legal and acceptable and desirable and approved of God. That I always have all my needs met, mm-hmm. and and actually even have my desires fulfilled in a way that wouldn't destroy me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's and a very so, important key, quote unquote, that you just yep. said now, in a way that it wouldn't destroy you. Because if you put so, a bunch of wealth on someone or riches or whatever, it can destroy someone. Right. So the key that God hands us mm-hmm. is this. And this this is the key. And you know, next week we'll get into you know using that key, more, more about using that key. So the key is uh, I have one key that I can use to open the door to everything that Jesus did for me on the cross. Mm. And you could say I have another key, or maybe I use the same key for both. I have a key that can close the door mm. to anything that is contrary yes. to what Jesus has given me. Yes. Anything he's already delivered me right. from, anything that has already been declared. Like any part of the curse yes. is, Ill- is illegal yes. to be in my life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Something that was something that we've talked about in in, in past uh, episodes yeah. was the iniquity. See, yeah. I got to, I got the key to close that. Yeah, you see, I, I, I that doesn't have to continue in my life. What's been you know what I've yeah. observed and what I've taught, I I yeah. can open the door to God's purposes and plans mm-hmm. for me. A- absolutely, I can I can stop all the past. Yes. From flooding forward onto me, my children, my grandchildren, mm-hmm. my ancestors. Yes. I can shut that door. Yes. Because that's not God sending that. That's coming forward, you know, because of, like you say, iniquity, because of what people have taught and what people have believed, what's been passed down to me. But I can stop, close that door right. because I know what God did in Jesus. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, see, the person that doesn't, this is why salvation hinges not on just believing in Jesus, it's believing that. God raised Jesus from the dead and what all that means. The whole, you know, and that gets into I'm raised up with him. I have this resurrection life. Therefore, the only thing that's legal in my life is, is what's accomplished through the resurrection. And everything that was accomplished through the death, 
then that's bound for my life. That is not legal. Death is not legal in my life. So I have these keys. Now, if I know and believe what Jesus accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection, yes. I have these the keys. The only thing legal for me is what Jesus died and paid for. Exactly. Got it. So so then the next question, and we'll get into that next. So now that we know what the key is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, advise, I really encourage our listeners, you need to think about this. You, you, you really need to mm-hmm. think about what do you know and believe about what Jesus did for you through his resurrection. You know, that's why the series, Three Days That Changed the World, mm-hmm. which people can get through your website, it, that's why that series is so incredibly important. Most people have no idea what Jesus did through the death, burial, and resurrection. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have a maybe a partial idea or some idea, but no functional idea as to how that applies to life. But once you once you decide that, and you you know, and you spend your life persuading your heart of how good God is, because this is the only way to get to the promised land. This is the only way to get to heaven on earth. What is legal in my life? What's illegal in my life? Based on the death, burial, and resurrection, and then will I use my authority? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe next week we'll go into. Let's just go into the concept of delegated authority because okay. you got to, if you don't understand delegated authority, you cannot really understand your role in utilizing the key. So for me, I can't say anything about the world around me. I mean, I, I'm an influence in the world around me. I'm an influence in my family. I'm an influence in my, you know, my friends. I'm, I'm going to be an influence everywhere I go. But by and large, the one thing I have authority over is my world. Mm-hmm. And if I don't use authority in my world, then what's going to come into my world is what's going to be imposed upon me emotionally, phys- you know, physiologically, all by the people that are around me. Mm-hmm. Good. And I think that something that I am so passionate about is that most people are waiting for the people around them to change before they can have heaven on earth. Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying, this is what yeah. I'm experiencing over no. and over again Absolutely. as yeah. we're ministering to couples. Couples come into our homes and every time, well, I can't have that and be married because I'm living with him. I'm waiting for him right. to get better. Then I can have heaven on earth. Mm-hmm. And no, I have authority over my world. Yeah. And that or they're, you know, praying, you know, in, you know, air quotes here uh, for a miracle. Yeah. Yep. And so passively sitting by, God do something. Meanwhile, he's accomplished everything yes. through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You and see, this this is where it is really at. And so, Jim, as as you've taught, you know, again and again, you know, to receive, you know, that lambano, to take hold of yep. and to bring to oneself. You see, this is us using the keys yep. of the kingdom. And then the other thing I heard really clearly is now... Once you, what do you know and believe that Jesus really did for you personally? Yes. Yep. And then once you decide, you can spend your life persuading your heart of that reality and that truth, and you will experience heaven on earth as you do so. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember about 20 or 25 years ago, we did a television program. And at the end of that program, you know, we went out. To eat lunch together like we would always do, you know. And and I can remember, Audrey, you saying, Jim, I finally understand now 
you're not just teaching about grace. Right. You're not just teaching about peace. Everything you teach always comes back to the resurrection of Jesus. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and I can I can oh, remember yeah. the wow. day the light turned that, on that that turned on yes. for you. That is this is this is not a, see this is not a bunch of individual pieces no. out here that don't connect. No. Mm-hmm. Everything has got to come back to the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. How good you believe God is is going to be one hundred percent based on what you believe Jesus accomplished through His death, burial, yeah. resurrection. Mm. So good. Thank Jim, you for thank that. you for a great day. Thank you for reminding. Thank you. Oh, and thank, thank you, guys. you for reminding me of that light on situation. Yeah. I just love that. Do, do you I remember, remember that? that oh, as you're I, talking I know about for it. Me I, as remember. Well. Mm-hmm. I remember. I oh, remember. Thank you for that. Thank absolutely. you for being me, my big brother, for a long, 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 long time. <laughs> everyone, <laughs> everyone, I do want to remind you of Jim's brand new book, Heaven on yes. Earth: Keys to the Kingdom. It's now part two is out there. You've yes, heard it is. about this one, but now the key- well, it it will become oh, a p- part two. Keys to the Kingdom will become available on October the nineteenth. Perfect. Okay. And they can get it through your website. Perfect. And then as well, it would be awesome for you to uh, take some time. You can go back and look, you know, over the podcasts, you know, that we have here on Live Live Transformed. And you can research and look. And we did do a series on three days that changed the world. Or you can go to Jim's website, uh, Impact Ministries, and you can purchase uh, the series there and just do that you know, as um, supplementary, but I mean, absolutely foundational uh, to your to your heart and what you believe. And as you turn off the podcast today, now just think about when you turn this off, first thing you can think about, Jesus, what did you do for me? Hmm, personally. And then now I'm going to spend my day today persuading my heart of the reality of that. And then the next day, yep. the next day, the next day, but do it for today. Good. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, Jim. Thank you, guys. I enjoyed it. Hope I hope everybody enjoyed it as much oh, as us three did. Oh, we sure did. I sure <laughs> we did. Three. We, we three loved it. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. A reminder, this has been episode 143. Yes. Uh, number two in this series of Keys, Keys of the to Kingdom. the Kingdom. Love it. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.